We thank you for this opportunity to receive your word. As we prepare, Father, right now, we lift up Pastor Walker. Anoint him, Father. Anoint his tongue. Anoint his head from the top to the soles of his feet. And use him right now, Father, to your glory. That your word will come forth to your people. We thank you, Father, for Pastor Walker and the humble servant that he is and his willingness to be used by you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Woo, we thank you. 
Okay, so how do you know all that? Well, I'm getting ready to explain it to you in a minute here. Keep this moment here. Only the truth can set you free. Only the truth can set you free. Consider this. A person uh, can be in prison and serving a life sentence, yet still be free, more free than some people who are not even in prison. It all depends on, on your psyche. It all depends on what you believe. It all depends on who rules the inside of you. <laughs> Many of our ancestors, as you know, although they seem to be enslaved by their so-called masters, actually were free and some of their masters were the ones who were enslaved. So it's not the circumstances, it's not the position you're in that sets you free. Uh, we're going to find that out. It, it, it's, 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 it's having this kind of a relationship with the master who holds the keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, to understand all this, we have to look beyond our physical eyes. Because if you look with our physical eyes, we'll never get the, we'll never get the solution to this problem. Amen. Yeah. We have to look through our spiritual eyes. So I want you to put on your spiritual eyes this morning. And I want you to... I don't want you to look with your physical eyes, but I want you to look with your spiritual eyes. And then we can see what I'm talking about. And we'll really we'll, we'll, and we'll tell us what it really means to be free and what it really means to be enslaved. Thank you, Jesus, for talking to the Pharisees so we can glean from, from those conversations you had with them. We want to go beyond our, we want to go beyond what our physical eyes are showing us. And our mental intellect is telling us. We want to go beyond all of that. So just put a cap on your mental intellect for a minute. And let the word of God speak to us for a minute. Amen. And, and uh, just put blinders on your spiritual eyes, your physical eyes, so your spiritual eyes can come up. We want to listen to our master and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is worthy to be praised of all things. And we want to know what he says is the real truth and what is the real slavery. And I want to talk to you today and I want to use as my title, Truth or Slavery. Truth or Slavery. The, that's what we have to choose from today. And God is so gracious that he allows us to make this choice. Amen. Our text today will be John chapter 8 and 31 through 33. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. We'll look at the real truth. Uh, we'll, we'll look at, uh, yeah, we'll look at the real truth in uh, 31, 32. In verses 31, 32, we'll look at the real truth, and in verse 33, we'll look at the real slave. Uh, Minister Lord, would you please come and read the, the text for today? In uh, John chapter 8 and verses 31 through 33, entitled, The Truth Will Set You Free. Amen. When you have it, if you are able, please stand on your feet in reverence for the Word of God. And if you have not already done so, please put your phones on vibrate or turn them off as to not disturb the Word of God. Do I have a hold on? And I will read unto your hearing. So Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you obey my teachings, you will, you will be my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are the descendants of Abraham, they answered, and we have never we have never been anybody's slaves. What do you mean then by saying you will be free? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Eternal God, our Father, we ask, so God, that you would guide and direct us by your spirit and that you would help us rightly divide the word today. We ask that you would send the resident teacher, the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would touch our hearts and our souls and our minds that we might know what thus says the Lord. To you be the glory forever and ever and ever. Have there ever been at some point in your life 
that you would that you say, I'm tired of living like this. <laughs> I'm just tired of the same things happen all the time. I need a break today. I, 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 something needs to happen. I'm tired of living this kind of life. It was at the point that you probably knew that you was a slave to something. No, I don't know what it was, but you was a slave to something because anytime you're tired of doing something and you keep on doing it, then you're a slave to something. Amen, somebody. You need a breakout. You need a break free of all that. So we want to try to see how we can pull all this together today. First, let's look at this word, truth. Hardly anybody speaks of today has become something that's almost, you know, thing of the past. When people say the truth today, they mean the things that make them feel better, the things that, that, are, that are okay with them. That's their truth. But I'm talking about the truth. Most of the time, the truth we have that makes us feel better and it's to our advantage. But the truth sometimes can be to our disadvantage too. But we don't want to hear that truth. We want to hear the truth that makes us feel good. And that, oh, that's the truth then. And then we say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And we all know that we're not going to do anything. Lord help us. We're all been, we've all been there. We're all part of that, including me. Everybody's a part of that. You know, we want to break from from that all that today. But let's look at this word truth moment. We're talking about real truth here. In John chapter 18, verse 37 uh, through 38, uh, the text tells us this here. So Pilate asked him, meaning Jesus. What are you a king then? And Jesus answered, uh, You say that I am a king. I was born and came into this world for this one purpose to speak the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And what is truth? Pilate asked. <laughs> Now, Jesus never answers him because he has already told him what truth is. For Jesus said, whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. So if you belong to the truth, you listen to the truth. Now, in the first part of our sermon text for today in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, Jesus pretty much says the same thing for this text tells us. So Jesus said to those who believe in him, if you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now it's amazing to me how the truth is contained in God's word, yet we have Bible studies, we have all this here, and you, you see a few people that come and, and everybody else is doing their own thing. They're looking at the favorite program, they, they got appointments, they're doing this here and doing that here, and then Bible study, Bible study becomes a thing. Well, I think, well, I got nothing else to do, so I just go to Bible study. Yet it's the one thing that can save their life. Just don't know. <sighs> so, as Pilate asked, what is truth? Well, the truth is Jesus. And it is also the Holy Scriptures because Jesus is the Holy Scriptures. For 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, gives us some insight into the truthfulness and the importance of scriptures for the text tells us all scripture all scripture is inspired or we can say God breathed <sighs> by God 
and is useful, watch this, for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instructions for right living so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. And so all scripture, if you buy a new card, you know, they, they have the, 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 the new, new owner's manual in there, and you know, it's about the stick sometimes, and, and people, sometimes it just stays in the glove compartment. It never gets out of the glove compartment until you have a problem with the car. Then you go looking and say, let me see what that was and all this thing. Nobody reads that. Same way the appliances, you buy new appliances. You, know, you don't look at the appliances, you just put it somewhere and put it away somewhere until something goes wrong. Then you get out the manual and say, well, let me see what happened there. You can't do that with God's word. You can't. You have to know. Sometimes you're in situations where you don't have a Bible around, but you can quote scripture. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you're in a tight jam and you say, well, and you don't have your Bible. You say, well, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. need to find a passage of scripture that will help you and quote it and lean on it because all scripture God breathed I'm just waiting here let's see how all this truth works let's see how all this works last Sunday I was on my way to uh, the nursing home where we do a, uh, the singing preachers and I, we, we do a, a little short sermon text there. We help the, uh, the people there with singing and praising God and all that. So I stopped at the gas station because I was low on fuel. <laughs> I gave them 10 to the $20 bill and said, give me $20 worth. And so I was in my car and I was just thinking what I was going to do and I happened to look at the pump and it was at 2219. <laughs> so I ran and said, oh, hold it, hold it, I, hold it, hold it, I just gave you $20. It was $2.19 over. Years ago I would have got in my car and drove away. That's on you. That's your fault. I gave you twenty dollars, and you just that was that two dollars and nineteen cents. That's on you. I would have done that long. I don't do that anymore. Not because I'm trying to be uh, Mr. Goody Goody, but I know that God is watching me. Not only while I'm here, but while I'm away from here, He's got His eyes on me, and I know it. But it's something else in there. You see that, 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 that $2.19, if I hadn't paid for that gas, that was what I call unsanctified gas. <laughs> Stay with me here. That's unsanctified gas. You see, when we, when we profess Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, you know, God sanctifies us which means he sets us apart. Okay, so we have this, this glow around us that we're sanctified. Well, you can't see it, but people can see it. We have this glow around us that we're sanctified. 
and I said in my mind then when I had the two dollars and nineteen cents over what I paid, said I don't want to be riding around in any unsanctified gas. But when I paid for it, two dollars and nineteen cents, then the gas became sanctified because I did what was right. So we don't really, we don't, we really don't understand that when when God has set us apart because of our belief in Jesus Christ, and then when we go and do something, something that is not righteous in the eyes of God, that diminishes us. But when when we pray to Jesus, then God just puts that sanctification back over on us. You understand what I'm talking about? We have to do the right thing no matter what the cost is or what it takes. We have to do the right thing. We always have to do the right thing. Yeah, well, Pastor, you don't know, but well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We have to understand who God is. God is holy. He's holy. And we are his children. There are some money and things that are also unsanctified. I'm not going to go into all that, but whatever is right in God's eyes is sanctified. I found $5. The mall the other day, I was going to walk in the mall. I didn't know whose it was. I knew there was a lady that was walking in front of me, and a young lady, and, and so uh, I was trying to catch up to her, but I said, if I I said, God, if I pass by that store where she went in and she was there, but help me to go in there and see if this is her money, you know. But if not, just help me to keep walking. Well, I just kept walking because she wasn't there. But to me, it wasn't my money, so it was unsanctified money. And so what I did today, I sanctified the money because I put the five dollars in the church today. So now the money is sanctified. It was unsanctified, but now it's sanctified. I know some say, well, that's kind of extreme. No, it's not extreme. That's not extreme at all. If you understood who God really is, if you understand that every single breath that you take, even the one you're taking now, even that breath, God gave you that breath. He gave, when you stand up after the sermon and, and, and get walk out of here, the only reason why you're able to get up is because God strengthened you so you can get up and walk to the door. If you understand that, then you know that's not extreme. You see, we learn how to live right and know the truth through the scripture. We know what is wrong by searching the scriptures. And when we do wrong, scripture corrects us. And maybe that's why people don't want to do the Bible study. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because scripture will tell you when you're wrong. Now, someone might be saying, I don't know scripture like I should. Well, let me say this. It is imperative. Imperative we know God's word because without it, we will be blind to the real truth. And the first step in knowing scripture is to give your life to Jesus Christ and let him do the rest. Consider Luke 24. It's very familiar passage. Now, most of you read that passage. Jesus is walking on the Emmaus Road with two of his disciples after he had risen from the dead. And they did not recognize him until he had broken bread with them. And they went and told the other disciples about Jesus being alive. And we will look at Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 39, to see what happens in this, in what this text tells us. The text says, while the two were telling them this, about Jesus being alive, suddenly the Lord himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were terrified, thinking they were seeing a ghost. But he said to them, why are you so alarmed? Why are these doubts coming up in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet and see that it is I myself. Feel me 
and you will know for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you can see I have. You notice he didn't mention blood. <laughs> because the blood was already sacrificed for us. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Watch out now. He said this and showed them his hands and feet. They still could not believe. They were so full of joy and wonder. So he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of cooked fish, which he took and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are the very things I told you about while I was still with you. Jesus said, I already told you these things. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the writings of the prophets, and the Psalms, all Old Testament, had to come true. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and must rise from death three days later, and in his name the message about repentance and forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and I myself will send upon you what the Father has promised. But you must wait in the city until the power from above comes down upon you. That power that came down upon them is the same power that came down on us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The same power. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is truth. And sometimes we need to sit down and take a chill pill and realize who we really are. Who am I? Who are you? We are children of the Most High God, empowered by the Spirit of the Most High God. The same Spirit who created the heaven and earth and all it contains. The Father sent his spirit down upon us and not like the Old Testament come and go, but to last forever. That means when you have a headache, you are still empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you're having a bad day, you're still empowered by the Holy Spirit. When things are not going right for you, you're still empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you're having marriage problems, when you're having family problems, you're still empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is still there. It never leaves us. It's there forever. You have to learn how to stir it up. We have to spend more time in our prayer closet. We have to spend more time speaking to our Father who are in heaven, who listens to us all the time. And then after that, we have to move out on faith. We have to put one foot in front of the other, knowing that God has got our back. No wonder Jesus was upset with his disciples. They had been with him for three years and were teaching all this here and they still have to come around. But notice what he says, and then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. You can't understand the scriptures on your own. Your mind has to be open. That's why sometimes it's just useless trying to explain the scriptures to someone whose mind is not open. Moving on to slavery. Now that we have found out that the real truth, let us see what it means to be enslaved or in slavery. 
in John chapter 8, verse 33 of our text, the fairies are answering Jesus after he has told them in verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the Pharisees come right back at Jesus with this answer in verse 33. They say, we are descendants of Abraham. And we have never been anybody's slave. What do you mean then by saying you, you will be free? Now, people today would say almost the same thing, of course, without using Abraham as a descendant. But they would say, I do not need to be set free. I'm, I am nobody's slave. That's what they would say, and that's what you would say here today. And they really believe that because their intellect and their physical eyes tell them that. Because there's no shackles on their hands, there's no shackles on their feet. They can go and come when they want to do. They can do whatever they want to do. They're free. Nobody restricts them. So in their mind, they're free. But actually, they're slaves. But the reality is that they are slaves and have been slaves for a long time and will continue to be slaves unless someone sets them free. And there is only one person that can do that, and his name is Jesus. He has the power and the authority to set a person free. Now the question is, free from what? <laughs> and there is only one answer to that question, that is, and it is universal, free from sin. Or free from the power of sin, I should say. We were all slaves to sin at one time or another, and some of us still are. But the good news is, we can be set free from the power of sin. The Pharisees were stubborn and could not be convinced that they were slaves of sin, and so unless they repented as we assume one of their leaders, Nicodemus, did, then they died in their sins, which they were enslaved to. And I think I mentioned a couple of sermons ago, the worst thing, there's something worse than death. There's something worth of death, and that's to die in your sin. There is nothing worse than that. Nothing. Scripture tells us how we are in slavery to the power of sin. And Paul uses his own self for a demonstration here in, in, in this passage of Scripture, and most of you are quite familiar with it. It's Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 14, and it runs from to 8 1. The Apostle Paul is talking about his own life here, and he says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am a mortal, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. Have you ever got mad at somebody and later on you say, why did I do that? For I don't do what I would like to do, but instead I do what I hate. Since what I do is what I don't want to do, this shows that I agree that the law is right. You know somebody? Have you ever done something and you wonder why you didn't you so you did something that was completely out of character for you? Something you did and you say, why did I do that? That's not even, I'm not even wired like that. Why would I do something like that? Well, that's actually not you doing it. It's the sin that's in you that's doing that. I told you we are in a spiritual battle with spiritual warfare every day. We're at war. And so the text goes on, so I am not really the one who does this thing, rather it is the sin that lives in me. I know that good does not live in me, that is, in my human nature. <laughs> well, you know, that was a good person, he's a good man, and she's a good woman, and he's a... No, they're not. They're not good. Jesus said, why call me good? And Jesus himself says, why call me good? Only the Father is good. Why call me good? They're not good. Why would you call yourself good? 
When you measure yourself up against maybe your neighbor or somebody, you might come out good. But when you measure yourself to God, you're at the bottom rung of the ladder. Not only are good, they have to peel you off the ground. Who call yourself good? Nobody is good. Nobody is good. Only, only God is good. Only God is good. And for Paul says, and this is Apostle Paul talking. Paul says, I know that good does not live in me. One of the greatest apostles of all time. Yet he says, I'm not good. I'm just glad to be here. He says, I know that good does not live in me. That is in my human nature. For even though the desire to do good is in me, we have the desire to do good, right? I am not able to do it. Because every time I get ready to do it, something else happens, and that's that flesh that's in us. That's why a lot of times when we do something we know we've done wrong, it hurts us so bad. It hurts us bad because we know we, we should have done that. And then to make on top, to make it worse on top of that, we don't want to go back and say we're sorry because we have too much pride to go back and say I'm sorry. So we're really in a bad situation all the way around. And then the enemy is just clapping their hands. God damn, God, look at that, look at that, God damn. Another victory for the enemy. Humble yourself. That's why humility is so important. We have to humble ourselves because it's not about us. It's about God. It's about God. And if we are a child of God, it doesn't, doesn't be humble anyhow. God said, vengeance is mine. Then he says, so I find that this law is at work. When I want to do what is good, what is evil is the only choice I have. My inner being delights in the law of God, but I see a different law at work in my body, a law that fights against the law that which my mind approves of. It makes me a prisoner to the law of sin, which is at work in my body. And this is the bet we have all the time, all day long, whether we're on a job or at home, wherever we have it. There's always something that comes up. We want to do the right thing, but we don't have the power to do it. And Paul says, what an unhappy man I am. This is Paul. Who will rescue me from this body that has taken me to death? Thanks be to God who does this through our Lord Jesus. This then is my condition. On my own, I can serve God's law only with my mind, while my human nature serves the law of sin. So what is, what is Paul saying all this? What is he saying this here? We have to make sure that we're in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why when we study God's word, when we go to Bible study, we stay in God's word. Because what God's word does, it strengthens us. It strengthens us on the inside. And although we still have that human nature, we want to feed the, our spiritual nature to make it strong enough so when those things come, we might lean, but we can lean back on it. You understand what I'm saying? We have to make sure that we stay in God's word constantly all the time because if we do that then Romans 8.1 will come into play and that tells us there is no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus what does that mean? well we don't understand what it means right now but let me tell you what it really means is that in the end when everything is done when everything is done and God calls us in front of his throne. There's only going to be one question answered and one question only. What did you do with my son Jesus? And those who say that I am a child of God or that I have a relationship with Jesus, the son will be there to confirm it. Yes, 
That's why I said when I opened up, I said there is, there is nothing more important than Jesus Christ because we're all going to go somewhere. Believe me. We're not going to be here forever. Okay, how many, how active we are, okay, what kind of medication we're on, okay, all this here. Sooner or later, that's not going to be enough. Sooner or later, like a car, the body just breaks down and there's nothing you can do about it. But the spirit, who wants to, the spirit lives on and on and on and on and on. It never amazes me how we spend more attention to the body than we do our spirit. We'll do anything for the body. We'll, we'll buy clothes and we'll do everything we can to keep well. we we'll do all that's here. Yet the spirit, we, when, when it comes to the spirit, we don't even spend about 10 minutes in the Bible, which, which helps our spirit. We are spiritual people. And to succeed, you've got to build your spirit up and you do that through your prayer life, and through staying in God's word. That's why Jesus said there is now no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. If the Pharisee had known about all of this, they would have known that they were slaves and needed to be set free. And the one who could have set them free was standing right in front of them. If they had known of all this, they would have fell on their knees and proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If anybody had known this here, they would fall on their knees and proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as it was with Pilate, who truth was right in front of him, and he missed out on his freedom. Even Pilate's wife told him, have nothing to do with that holy man. I had a dream about him last night. If there is anyone who has not been free, you can be set free today. Right now, today, if you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that because it's so important. Because we don't, we don't understand what's going to happen tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, anything can happen. So you don't want to sit as well, I'll do this next week and I'll do this and you might not be here next week. God has allowed him his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be set free, that we could have a life with God for eternity. He has given us his holy scriptures. His revealed will is in the scriptures. He has given them. All we have to do is read it. All we have to do is fall on our knees, proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and receive him into our life. One time when we do that, the kingdom of God belongs to us. That's not asking a whole lot. I know some of us are going through some stuff at home or on a job or wherever it might be. I'm telling you, you can be set free today. Don't let your stubborn pride keep you from being free. God is not going to come down here and pull you and make you do anything. But he sends his Holy Spirit. And if you feel his spirit tugging at your heart, you ought to respond. You ought to respond. David was a shepherd boy. While in the, out in the pastures, he would pray to God on a daily basis, on a nightly basis, I should say. God heard David because David's heart was pure. He wanted a relationship with God. And anybody who really wants a relationship with God, God will make it known, will make himself known to you. David wrote a psalm. He wrote the 
23rd Psalm, and most of you know it. The Lord is my shepherd, he says. Well, David come to realize that he was a shepherd himself, and he understood what it meant for, for a shepherd that take a sheep. We are all sheep. Some of us are lost sheep, but nevertheless, we're all sheep. And the Lord has to be our shepherd. Has to be our shepherd. And when he becomes our shepherd, guess what? We can say, freedom. Freedom. Finally, freedom. Freedom from all these thoughts that were going in my head. Freedom from, from all the, the trouble that I've been through. Freedom from all the, the stuff that was going on in all my life when I was looking for some freedom. Finally, finally, I found freedom. Until you call us home. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 